Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. It says... Outlook is being really... Okay, so it says there are six people here. So Bob is one because he got, got us going. Mary Highland, Ann Barnes, Deanna Noriega. Who else is here who didn't speak? Maybe it's still... <laughs> Well, Ann Carson popped in, so maybe it's, maybe it's counting her. Yeah, let's see. Mm -hmm. It still says six, though. Okay, let's see. It says Michelle. Abby. Hello. Okay. I'm hey. sorry, who is it? Who came it's in? Abby. It's Abby Taylor. Oh. I oh, hi, Abby. I'm so I, sorry. I know you came in early and the host wasn't No, here I did not time. come in early. I just okay. now saw the announcement. See, I get the... I get the, the daily summary mode, and so I get the oh. after they're posted, and so I just now, I was just now reading it and found out about this. So okay. <laughs> well, good. I am glad you're here. And um, yeah, so gosh, I'm just apologizing all over the place here. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> you know, one, one. What? I came, I, I was going to come last month, and uh -huh. I totally forgot. <laughs> Oh, I got the announcement, but completely forgot. Yeah, I, I actually, I remember missing you. So there. Um, anyway, okay. So um, um, what I said in the notice that I sent out was that I thought it would be fun to talk about what motivates you to write. And, and I'll be honest, I'll confess, it's selfishly, that's kind of what's been on my mind because... Uh, so I'll I'll go first with this. What motivates me to write? It's it's shameful. What motivates me to write is a deadline. Somebody waiting <laughs> at the other end for work that I'm supposed to produce. And so what will happen is I'll coast along. I mean, this is what has just happened in my recent past. I coast along for a few weeks and feel like oh. All I have is my library job. I work for three or four hours in the morning, and then I can just read and watch Netflix and, you know, sing, listen to a little music. I can just have a good old time. And then all of a sudden, all these deadlines are looming, and I'm like swilling buckets of coffee and Mountain Dew and, and, and saying, okay, sit down, write a thousand words you can't get up until you do. But it's because I know that that date is fast approaching. And unfortunately, I've had several dates converging simultaneously right now. So um, that's my pitiful story. And I want to know what motivates everybody, everybody else, because I'm hoping to learn from you. So, okay. Um, Mary, I think you were prob probably the first one here. You want to you go? Well, let's see. Um I love to write. So I write. My motivation is therapy. It's, you know, it, I, I write when I'm happy and I write when I'm sad. I don't have a job that pays me to write, so I am I'm self-motivated that way. And so that's just really it. Other than uh, I, I have been doing some Twitter and Facebook, which I don't Ooh. care for. 
but that's for promoting the, my book. So that's the mercenary <laughs> reason for that. <laughs> but I, I, I write a blog, and I like doing that. That's just fun. <clears throat> oh. Well, I'm impressed that you're doing Twitter and Facebook because as much as I vow I'm going to learn, I don't, and I, I, I want to do those things, and I, I'm not. Oh, I didn't say anything about learning because <laughs> I have my granddaughter doing uh, mm. Twitter for me mm. and a friend doing Facebook for me. So, um, oh. yeah, I don't do the technical stuff. Okay. I just do the words. <laughs> Okay. So, so Anne Anne Barnes, what's your what's your thing? Yeah. What motivates well, you? Well, there's a couple things. I do have now a gig that pays me, and I can tell you guys about it if you want to know later. But um, tell us now. Nice. We care. Okay. Um, it's um, Outlook Business Solutions. I heard about them on the Eyes on Success podcast. And um, right now, I'm I'm one of their freelance writers writing for either the Outlook Business Solutions blog or the Outlook Nebraska blog. Um, Rachel oh. Carver is the PR person. Yeah. I'm not familiar with it, but that's awesome. Outlookbusinesssolutions.com. If okay. you want to look at, you want to look them up. But anyway, as far as my fiction, my characters won't shut up and leave me alone. And if I don't write, I'll forget what my characters told me. So, wow. and of course, there's some spiritual motivation, too. But still, and plus I have not only this group and Behind Our Eyes, but I have another um, group that um, a, a, friend, a friend started a Patreon page. And I'm in her um, Writing Warriors for Jesus group. And, we, and she and another friend of, I, of mine and I... We have our um, weekend warrior boot camp that we do on Saturday morning. So, and we inspire each other. Nice, very nice. So, uh, okay, Abby. Okay, well, what's your... what uh, what motivates me is my readers, and I've developed quite a following on my blog and also my Facebook page, mm -hmm. and so I feel obliged, obligated, I should say, to provide at least something every day. I do a daily Facebook post where I provide some old daily trivia tidbits, word of the day, uh, national calendar events, that kind of thing. And of course my blog, I post material there at least three days a week and I and my I believe that my followers are you know look forward to that and expect that. And so that's what keeps me going. And I am working on another novel and of course that that story is it's motivating me when I have a chance to have time to write. I've been busy this week. I really haven't had time to do anything with it. But when I have the time, then I'm motivated to write that. So that's basically that, it. Well, that I like that because in a way that makes me feel not entirely alone. I mean, it, it's different. I mean, you know, it, because it's you're you're saying sort of the same thing that there's an expectation you feel right, an expectation right. to deliver mm -hmm. so you deliver yes so yeah yeah so nice okay Deanna what's your story <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a mental health writer like Mary um, things will get <laughs> into my head and they'll just circle around and around and if I don't sit down and write them out I can't get rid of them 
So um, if I'm upset, if I'm um, enthralled about something, if I'm working through a problem, it goes into a story, poem, or essay. And sometimes it's just out of the blue. Um, I wrote one story that came about because I was walking down the sidewalk and I heard some woman's whiny voice go, I wish, as I went by. <laughs> and I kept thinking, I want to do what she's wishing for. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I thought about my grandmother, who always used to tell us little kids when we got whiny about something we wanted and we didn't have. Um, she'd say, well, wish in one hand and spit in the other and see which one gets filled up the fastest. You know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh, I've heard that one too. Yeah, so I had this story pop into my head about a wishing well in a town square where this little water sprite is sitting down in the, in the wishing well and people keep throwing in coins and wishing for stuff. And she's really pissed off at them because most of them could have what they wanted if they just stop whining and get down to making it happen. And, um, but then she figures that, oh, well, you know, there aren't that many jobs for water sprites these days, so she really shouldn't complain herself for people throwing things down, you know, wishing for her to solve the problem. And so she sets about to, to solve one of the problems. And, you know, uh, so that I think the story called the wishing well. Listening to all of you, I think, um, doing a little psychoanalysis on myself. I know that all my life, from the time I was a little kid, what I liked doing best was writing. Right, 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 right. And, and as a, you know, in, in college and person in my 20s, you know, as, you know um, the, the idea of, you know, write when I'm happy, write when I'm sad. Yeah, that was definitely... The, the way that it went. And I think, I won't say jaded. I don't think I've become jaded. I think I've become a little bit overloaded um, that I have been fortunate enough that I managed to parlay that love into a career and then have all these assignments and deadlines. But now what I want to do is to get back to what you guys are saying. You know, I want to find a balance where, um, and actually it's kind of what I was promising myself today. I'm working on another book for National Braille Press, and I have promised myself that when it's finished, I'm not committing to anything big. I'm going to figure out something I want to write. And I have a couple ideas that I've had forever. Um, and see if I can get back to what Deanna's calling mental health writing. <laughs> I did that in the right. journal. Right, yeah. Um, so, Journaling but, is, yeah, it's one way, but I think it's more fun if you just do spontaneous whatever flung off in all directions. I do some formal writing for the Vision Aware blog, and I've been doing that for about six years. Right. But that too isn't something I have to do because there's about 20 of us and we get together once a month by phone and we throw out ideas and whoever feels like taking it on will do that. 
Mary knows yeah. about it because she's written to them. Yeah, too. Mary did that um, for a long time. Yeah, so you just yeah. you pick. You don't have to write about a particular thing, but if something appeals to you, and sometimes yeah. we do collaborative work where, like, somebody was frustrated about recent vision loss and um, wanted to know how we handled public bathrooms. And so that was a collaborative oh, one. Yeah. Everybody threw in what to do I, when you I walk swear I think bathroom. I wrote something about that once. I sw but I don't know what I would have written it. I wouldn't have put that in the newspaper, how to handle it. But I know I've written it. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of those weird things that... Because, you know, if you encounter a lot of them, you have to develop some methods, right? I mean, because yeah, you know... But, you know that's you don't want to not touch something I want to write here. about. <laughs> no, but, it, you know, if it's something, it's like the crazy questions you get asked about blindness. Well, these are people that are actually experiencing blindness as adults for the first time. And yes. they haven't got a clue how to start. So if they throw something out like that, you know, we feel like, okay, we need to give them some answers, but we need to do it in a light um way right. it doesn't seem overwhelming and keep it concise so we answer the question and don't go off in 90 million directions and so sometimes it's of personal interest to one individual and they'll take it on sometimes yeah. all of us just chip in um and take different parts of it like um family bathrooms as opposed to large public restrooms with tons of stalls and Things, right, you know, and so yeah. we'll just you know, break it up and, and do a, a paragraph or a line or two about a particular technique we use, and then we'll combine it, and then it goes out, you know, is a general blog response. So, yeah, I, I think, I think Marsha Wick wrote something about that. I remember reading something yeah, that she yeah. wrote about bathrooms and it was really yeah. good, but it, it's slightly different because she's got some vision. She's got a little bit of vision. And yeah. um, I think it was from that perspective, but yeah. So sometimes though, you know, you'll get a topic and, and, you know, you're talking about vision aware prompted this in my brain. So yesterday mm -hmm. I was riding with our paratransit, and um, the driver was new to me and I was new to him and he was kind of irritating me because the first thing he had to do was to tell me how lucky I was that he waited for me, even though I was a few minutes late coming out. Like, oh, gee whiz, you know, let me kiss your feet. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> but, but then we started talking about the paratransit system here in Florida. And I was saying that, you know, I'm from Ohio and it was so terrible up there that I, instead of using it, I just paid a ton of money to use taxis and Lyft and Uber because I, I couldn't bear to use it. And when I got here to Florida, I thought I'd come to transportation heaven because it was so fine. And that was two years ago. And now it's not so fine anymore. It's becoming more like Ohio. And he And he said, actually, I think I'll quote him if I ever write the letter. He said, yeah, it, it was excellent for two years. And then in September, it started sliding. And now it doesn't quite suck, but it's almost there. 
And this is from a driver. And I said, yeah, you're right. And he said, well, so write a letter, write a letter. I tell everybody, write a letter. And I thought, shame on me. And I said to him, yeah, you know, I, I'm a professional writer. I should write a letter. Okay. I, I've got an article that's got to be finished within two hours of my arriving home but maybe I will write that letter today. And I didn't. So, but I, so my point in that is that sometimes something sparks your interest, like the bathroom conversation, but you know, you have to have some other kind of self-discipline going on that you follow through and write because you, you know, you can, but you have to. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, does anybody have any other little secret formulae? Uh, do you jot down those ideas on your phone in the notes app? Say that again? I said, do you jot down those ideas in the notes app on your phone? No. That's, and that's a good idea. Thank you. That's a, is that something I, that you do, Anne? Yep. All the time. That's when a, I don't have, when I'm not in front of my computer, I'll pull out my phone and jot down the note. I will do it. That's a really good idea because I, you know, come from a time when, you know, all we had was a slate and stylus and you didn't always have one in your pocket. So I have a very long, bad habit of thinking everything will stay in my head, but it doesn't. No, it won't. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good suggestion. Thank you. I let Sherry nag me because she will. So I'll put a reminder on my phone. And until you clear that reminder, it'll stick there. And it'll tell you that every now and then that you have, you know, two reminders that haven't been taken care of. I don't, um, reminders have I don't never worked that. for me. Hey, I like no it's yeah. pretty easy. You just hold your, your button down until um, she comes up and then you tell her what you want to be reminded of. And if you don't put a time on it, well, even if you do, like if you say, um, go outside and to meet the van at 1050, but you don't clear it when you go outside and, you know, two days later, she's saying you have two reminders and I, and I go look and Oh, one of the most that darn band that I already met, and, you know, got where I yeah. was going. So, um, and I do things like for this call, um, I put it on my calendar and I put in that it's, a, it's a, I go down to the part that says, um, oh, custom. And I open that up and I put the second Saturday of the month, um, you know, writer's retreat zoom conference and then i go into my phone app and i put the whole dial-in thing um with the commas and and the, the pound and all of that stuff into my uh my contact oh list. okay okay so I'll put writer's retreat and then i'll put zoom conference as the company and then i will put all the number in and so when i have to dial it I can just pull up that in my contacts and and hit to call it, and I don't have to try to dial all those numbers. Yeah. You just tell uh, Siri to call Zoom conference. 
There you go. Yeah, I, I, I've done that with my phone. I don't have an iPhone, but I have a, a pretty smart flip phone. I have I don't have this number in here because I use it a computer, but for Writer's Party Line, I have that number in there. And so then all I have to do is just say to call Writer's Party Line. And I still have to put in the access code because I don't think there's a way to put that in the contacts on a flip phone, but at least it, it makes is. it a little easier. I don't. Uh, for con for conference call uh, call numbers that I have, I have done um, what Deanna's talking about. And, and for those of you, the I always typed them in in Braille because for the longest time I didn't know where the comma was on the keypad. Oh. But um, if you, you hit I the think shift key, yeah, you hit yeah. the shift key, right, and then, and then along and the then left hand side, the, the, the comma and shows, then, and, and you hit, and hit it, the if, comma. If you have a lot of, you know, anymore, it seems like like when I look in my Zoom history. In the, I use the iPhone app for Zoom, and when I look at my Zoom history, there's, the, there's a maximum of ten, and I've got ten in there, like ten different meetings. That so, right, I'm doing a lot more Zoom than I am conference calling. But Me too. okay, so to segue, um, if wait, Mary, was that you? Were you piping up? No, I was just agreeing with you. I do more Zoom now too because of the, my, my podcast. Oh, okay. So no, that was I, me. I was muted. Okay. So I um, just, I don't know. Just again, I guess a little self indulgence. But I had sent this story to you all, and those who were here before Abby joined said that oh well, they didn't read it because they thought I was going to read it to you. So. Um, so I do want to read it to you because I just think it's so fun. And, um, and I, I would love to hear what you think about it. I, um, so the story behind this is um, in 1983, um, I had two tiny little munchkins. And the only time I ever got to be a grown up away from them, I was teaching a class at the university two afternoons a week. So for a couple hours, twice a week, I had this little old lady who came who, and watched my kids. And um, anyway, and so I got to feel like a grown-up. And I had, in those days, you know, all we had were Braille magazines. And so I would take a Braille magazine on the bus to read and then read it and then hopefully finish it and throw it away and not have to carry it home. So I had begun getting the real Braille forum and I read this announcement of a contest. I didn't know ACB, NFB, anything. Somehow somebody signed me up for the Braille forum. And, um, and I saw this announcement of a contest. This was 19, probably 1982 when I read it, but maybe 83, it was published in 83. And the idea was, write an essay about the view of the blind in the year 2020. And I thought it was really stupid. So, but this <laughs> idea started forming in my brain. And another time, maybe we should talk about how we write because how I write is I am so dazzled when I read, you know, brilliant best-selling authors saying how they wrote draft after draft after draft after draft. That's not me. Everything mm -hmm. I've ever published, 95% of it, 98% of it was the first draft because I think more than I write. So, so 
I read this announcement on the bus and I started thinking about what I wanted. This story popped into my head and I think I wrote it in one sitting and I sent it off and I, I won the contest and it was the Ned E. Freeman award that the ACB gives. And it was then, you know, published in the magazine. And, um, and then, uh, a couple of times over the years, I ran into people who said, oh, I read that story you wrote. That was so cool. I read it in a college class. It's in a, and I remembered giving permission to a couple of anthologies. Well, anyway, the point is, I hadn't read this story in years. And now that we're in the year 2020, I started thinking about it. And I wrote to Sharon Lovering, who's the editor currently of the Braille Forum. And I said, told her that story that I just told you. And I said, could you find it? Does it anyway? She found it in like two hours and sent it to me, and um, uh, and it was fun. It made both our days. It was like a big happy dance day. Like oh, it was fun. This is so cool. But what was cool was I read. I I had worried that maybe I'll read the story and I'll think, oh my god, I was such a little nincompoop. But I kind of didn't. I kind of felt really proud of it. So that's why I wanted to share it with you. Now that I've said that, if you hate it, feel free to say that. But so um, I, I think it takes about five minutes to read it. So I downloaded it to my Braille Sense. And um, so again, you know, the idea was the view of world, the world for the blind in the year 2020. This appeared in the August 1983 Braille Forum. 37 years ago, before we had computers, before we had anything that talked, before we had anything. I probably wrote this story with a slate and stylus. Anyway, but it's so it's called 2020 with a twist. I will not read you. She sent me the actual copy from the magazine. So it's got this little blip about me, which is really, I was just such a little housewifey. But anyway, <laughs> I won't read you that. But here's my story. 2020 with a twist. She swiveled her chair to face the desk uh, again and absently slid the reference volume under the appropriate clamps of the dot conversion deck. After 10 years, it still seemed a minor miracle, she reflected, as the familiar process began with a nudge of the switch and a few adjustments of knobs. It was always a little thrilling to run her hand up the tactually blank page and feel the braille emerging magically. As chief administrator of the Department of Visual Equality, she found paperwork and reference materials to be endless components of the job. The dot converter made it all so effortless, so compact. There were drawbacks to the device, of course, since only 10 to 30% of the text could occupy a page at one time in its dot convert, converted form due to the variations in space requirements. It could be a small irritation if the machine needed to be put in its reverse mode for recalling data which had already fled the page. Because of her age, however, she would be 47 on 0504 2020. 
and the memories those years had incurred, Mary Seymour was not prone to viewing such annoyances with much seriousness. How could she, when the horrors of the 90s, those years now called the dark ages for the visually impaired, seemed like only yesterday? She had been one of the lucky ones, learning to read prior to the silencing of Braille. Even during her own childhood of the 70s and early 80s, Braille teachers had been scarce. In the mid-80s, university programs had ceased requiring Braille for prospective teachers, and with a reality more terrifying than any nightmare, Braille production facilities had begun folding with rapid succession. With the closing of radio reading service studios had gone access to print to a large extent, and the withdrawal of special mailing privileges had taken most of what remained. By the 1990s, blind children were no longer being educated at all, and blind adults had begun to cluster together frantically for survival. Mary Seymour had been a teenager when the dark ages had become harsh reality, but she had tasted the joy of literacy and the freedom of movement sufficiently so that her role as a revolutionary had never been a conscious decision. There had simply been no other logical alternative. It had been a grim 18 years meeting with groups large and small, in secrecy, teaching with outdated materials, plotting, failing, and finally, success. Ironically, their greatest strength had been an element of visual impairment itself. Working without light, after all, was no real hardship for any of them. Many tactics of the visionary, of the visionary rebellion Mary reflected, had been comic, and many had been devastatingly effective. Tampering with power sources had been their greatest tool. First, there had been the television blackout, allowing only audio portions of broadcast nationwide to be transmitted. If her optic sensor had been installed during those days, Mary smiled. It might have been entertaining to see the faces of those in countless homes as TV screens first rolled and then went utterly blank. You, too, can function without pictures, the intermittent announcement had informed the seeing public. The, the rebels had scrambled computers, taken over radio networks, and then tauntingly, ground all power to a halt. It had been a tedious struggle, but the gains had been remarkable. A key to the success of the revolution had been its emphasis on peaceful tactics. No bodily harm had come to anyone on either side, unless, of course, one considered the capture of Mary and a dozen other revolutionary leaders or the optic sensor implant implantations as bodily harm. The reasoning on the part of their captors had been along the lines that if the leadership of the visionary rebellion 
were transformed into, transformed into seeing persons, they would automatically abandon the cause and thus dissolve the movement. Some medical experimentation had been conducted prior to the dark ages in which many cameras had been connected to optic nerves, resulting in minimal vision for the totally blind. The optic sensor plan had been based on the earlier data, but weakly so, for the results were something of a surprise to all. If there had been a moment when she had weighed the possibility of giving up the rebellion, it had been during the time of her capture. People moved wordlessly around the hospital bed where she had lain helplessly restrained to Mary's repeated, although almost uh, repeated, although calm, questions regarding their intentions, Mary was ultimately given the singular short response, you will see when the surgery is over. And so she had, in a matter of speaking, the final power shutdown had enabled the dozen captives to escape three days following their imposed surgery. Only gradually in the months of negotiation ahead were they to realize what the effects and the intended effects of the implant, implant operation had been. None were rendered seeing persons in the conventional sense as had been intended, but each experienced some unexpected heightening, heightened awareness. George Thompson, for example, discovered a kind of telepathic effect enabling him to form a visual image of a room before entering it. Joan Brighton realized that she could perceive colors. Mary Seymour's outcome was a bit more peculiar. I've always had an incredible hindsight, she had quipped in the final mm -hmm. days of the visionary <laughs> rebellion. Indeed, her own optic sensor, a typical follow-up follow of the implant experience, provided her with a detailed visual perception of human faces and environments, but did so only after she had left the immediate vicinity. It was a little more than a novelty now, rarely of any practical use. She did, however, occasionally attract attention to herself by entering an unfamiliar area, quickly and briefly retreating so that the image could establish itself in her mind, and then calmly re-entering. Usually, the tools of her childhood were sufficient. Sounds, smells, and the unconscious absorption of environmental cues through every cell of her body's surface the real success of the visionary rebellion had come in the form of print accessing technology. Braille had been reestablished in the universities in 2007 with far more strenuous requirements than had ever existed previously. Visually impaired children were taught Braille and print simultaneously so that the choice was ultimately a personal one. Street signs, 
billboards, and elevators were all equipped with speech synthesized devices. For those who used Braille, dot conversion decks were commonplace, desk models in offices for accessing books and computer information, and handheld versions for the reading of menus, entertainment programs, and similar materials. For the visually impaired print user, miniature high-powered magnifiers with polarity reversal mechanisms were the widespread answer to print accessibility. Returning the reference volume to its place and noting that it was nearly time for her scheduled meeting with President Olga Henderson, Mary, <laughs> Mary swiftly reviewed a few notes and switched off the converter. When she was a little girl, she thought her teacher had told her that there were only two things that she could never do. You will never drive an automobile, she had said, and you will never read print. Mary Seymour smiled with genuine contentment. Saint that she had been, even her teacher underestimated the future of her visually impaired students. Private automobiles had been eliminated 10 years ago now, so that the ability or inability of anyone to drive was no longer relevant. As far as print was concerned, she thought, giving the converter an almost affectionate pat, she had something better than reading print. She could read everything and read it in her own familiar language of dots. Now, where she wondered with a touch of annoyance as she pushed back her chair, had she left the portfolio, portfolio of data for the meeting with the president, slipping into her coat, unfolding her white cane, Mary Seymour walked briskly out of the office and hesitated expectantly just beyond the threshold. With an impatient shake of her hair, the anticipated image finally flashed before her mind's eye. Ah, yes, she said aloud as she hastily re-entered the office and snatched the portfolio from the top of the file cabinet. From the dark age days of the 90s, the blind had finally achieved their long-deserved status in education and employment and had secured a Department of Visual Equality in the bargain. The attractive woman who had strode confidently towards the elevator did not look much like a once tough-minded leader of the visionary rebellion, but she thought, shifting the portfolio in her arm, she had the optic sensor as one amusing and occasionally useful souvenir going down the elevator spoke in its distinct synthesized syllables. The door slid open and smiling, Mary Seymour stepped inside. Uh, wow. Uh, uh, quite a visionary, Deborah. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, one thing I, um, I've tried, I, I wonder, 
I mean, I had never seen a computer in 1983. I didn't have anything that talked, but I was trying to remember when talking elevators came into being. Did I imagine that or did no. we have them? I, no. when I lived in a building when I was single that had a talking floor announcement system in the elevator. And when you walked, when you walked in, like if you were on the ground floor, it would say first floor going up and it had braille buttons. And so when you push, like my, my apartment was, was on the third floor, so when I pushed the button for three, it would go up, it would say first floor going up, and then when you get to the second floor, it would say second floor going up, and then third floor, third floor going up, and then it would stop. But that's basically how it worked, and that was back in, let's see, 1990-something rather. So, so in 1990s, yeah. So so we didn't have them in 1983. Uh, I don't think that that talking was it. We we definitely had braille ones, but not talking ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think so. Um, I mean, I think, you know, even braille ones weren't that common because no, I remember um, uh -uh. going to Washington D.C. in the early 90s and mm -hmm. having to guess the layout of the <laughs> the buttons. And the, so I would test my theory by pushing a button and then look at the door jam and read the print number that was raised there until I figured oh. out how the pattern was laid out so I could use it. I know that I know there weren't, you know, like Braille on a, I mean, I can remember when I was first traveling and going to things. It would have been mid to late 80s because, well, I didn't know any organized blind anything until I wrote that story. Well, I'd gone to Ski for Light a couple times, but yeah. I, I hadn't done any other organized blind stuff. And I know there, there weren't, because I can remember, you know, taking rubber bands and hair elastics and stuff to put on my doorknob in a hotel so I could find my room. Yeah. You know, so there wasn't a I wrote a story one time uh, because I had this, <laughs> sometimes my stories are half written in my sleep because I'll dream something muddy. And so I wrote a story called Overload because I was trying to figure out what equipment to buy. So I had this dream about walking into a room and sitting down and being aware of the other people in the room, somebody wearing perfume, somebody having, you know, a pipe smokers um, sent to his clothing as he sat down next to me, you know, and people walking around and somebody going up to the front of the room. And finally, somebody asked him, um, are you the presenter? And he said, oh, no, um, I, I guess you guys didn't see the sign on the door. The guy missed his flight, so there won't be a presentation today on accessible computers and um but if you ask my opinion i think you should go with the sharp because it comes with a built-in microwave oven so you can make a snack while you're <laughs> driving the program what oh my what? gosh <laughs> <laughs> So that was the, that was the, uh, the the nugget that turned into a, a story about trying to buy a computer. That is kind of weird. But now you've got you USB coffee mug warmers and everything else. So. <laughs>
Who? Who? Somebody might invent a USB microwave one of these days. You <laughs> <laughs> can pop some popcorn and do whatever you need to do while you're getting your job done. Yeah. But then that would just make us even lazier. <laughs> and we gain a few pounds in the process. Uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be too easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't think you were here yet, Abby, when I said we will have a speaker next time. And that's the second Saturday in March? Yes. March okay, I will, I, will, I will have my A lady remind me, and that way I won't forget again. <laughs> I, I didn't know okay. we were doing you it the can, second. <laughs> you can get your A lady to take notes for you, too. Yes, I know. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Are yes. you, wait, I, I, how do you do that? Oh, well, you just uh, tell her to take a note. Yeah, just tell her to take a note and tell her what the note is, and then you can. Or tell her to add her, something to notes, and she'll have add her, it. Yeah, have her read the note. Or, oh. Yeah. Yeah. But before that, before she even started doing that, I, I created a notes list. Oh, there you go. That works. Okay. Well, uh, I'll see you all next month then. Who's the speaker, by the way? The speaker is Marsha Wick. Do oh, you know her from other yes, groups? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Marsha um, had worked up a presentation <coughs> for another group about um, me. memoir writing. And oh, cool. Okay. How to tell the truth and how to protect yourself so people won't be mad at you. And Oh, you know, yes. Good idea. Other kinds Good of things. And Great. Um, and she's, she's great. I mean, she's just, she's an excellent writer researcher and and just a really comfortable presenter so i think it'll be very i think it'll be fun yeah. um so that sounds good well, well i oh don't don't apologize but let me just add a quick note here because i think all of us here are members of behind our eyes so let me just remind everybody that our very own mary highland is going to be our guest speaker a week from tomorrow the 16th at our next meeting at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I'll be sending a reminder to the list tomorrow. I'm glad I thought of it now. Hopefully, I won't forget to do that tomorrow. But anyway, so Mary's going to be talking about her new book, Inside Out, One Blind Woman's View of Her Life. And I will be reading some excerpts from that book for her during her presentation. So I think this, this promises to be very informative. Uh, so hope you can all join us. I'll be there. All right. Of course, this is being recorded. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Oh, well. I didn't get on the number. So if you're a member of Behind Our Eyes, you can come. If you're not, you can join Behind Our Eyes, and then you can come. There you go. All right, that works. Well, that I'm works. a member. I'll be there. I know you are, but it just occurred to me, if this meeting is being recorded, people who are not members are going to be listening. But they can go to BehindOurEyes.org and join, and then they can come and hear Mary. So well, okay. So since we're doing uh, commercials, I'll throw one out there too. Um, <laughs> Bob Acosta, who graciously made this meeting happen, uh, over uh, in general and tonight specifically, um, has in invited me to talk about my book, Navigating Healthcare, on the Tech Talk program oh. that Accessible World does on March sixteenth. So okay, wow, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and and that's not member based. Anyone who would no. like to come can come. Um, and if you probably, 
Yeah, you'll get the because the oh, yeah, um, I'll get the, the I announcements get the, I get the, I get the announcements list. Yeah, yeah, and they're sent, sent out to yeah sent out. So Alan yeah. sends them out to writers retreat too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're and he on sends that. the archives if you miss it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you can also hear the archives on your A lady, but it's kind of tricky. You have to say play the T E K Talk podcast from TuneIn Radio. Or, right. or not or from yeah. or tune in. Don't say radio from tune. It's 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 specific. it's rather tricky. You have to say it just right or she'll give you something totally different. So but it well, yeah. <laughs> I kind of I had a little bit of fun. I was on a, a program on ACB radio and I had heard from friends that they enjoyed it and I hadn't because I didn't get the email. Something went wrong and I didn't get the email telling me when it was going to be on. But anyway, um I experimented with uh, having Miss A-L-E-X-A play ACB radio, and it's very cool because oh. I, I, I knew this, but I had never tried it. And you just say, play ACB radio mainstream. Mm. And so Thank if you want to hear my interview, it's Monday. Again, it repeats at 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern, but that's okay. You don't have to hear that. But there's a lot of really interesting stuff oh, I'm on sure. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at any time of the day, just tell it, play ACB radio yeah. mainstream. mainstream. Okay, yeah. And it, there's some really cool stuff there. Oh, cool. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, totally. I'll, see you, I'll, I'll see you all next week or next month or whenever. Next month, yeah. <laughs> well, next week and next month, right? Oh, are you, yeah, <laughs> unless you come next uh, next Sunday. Right, right. Okay. Okay, right, well, we'll talk thank to you, you later. everyone. And You're welcome.